Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of our podcast series, The Shades of Success, where we share with you the life stories of some of the top entrepreneurs and executives of color. Today's guest is actually a client from one of my former guests, the amazing publicist, Christina Rice. After her interview, she told me she had someone great in mind for me to speak with, and she didn't disappoint at all. Today, we are speaking with Marie Danae, also known as the Curvy Fashionista, whose website has become the go-to place for all things trending in plus-size fashion. After working for over a decade in retail sales and management, Marie used a layoff as the perfect springboard and opportunity to start her own company, and the rest is history. She continues to grow her brand today by staying true to her message and making sure to cater to the needs of her audience. She's got some tips for you today on how you can do exactly the same. So let's jump right in. Marie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Marie Danae, and my blog, I run the site The Curvy Fashionista. Um, it's a blog turned into a little bit more, and in December, it'll be eight years. Um, it'll turn eight. Wow. I know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long time. I know. Years. It's like, uh, but and um, the site was kind of created out of initially a space to where I was finding all the information that I needed because I I did want to open up my own boutique. So I was just finding designers, and then from there it kind of just grew. Um, my background, my educational background. I have got I got my bachelor's in business entertainment and tourism from Cal State Fullerton in California. Mm-hmm. And then I got my MBA in marketing from So um you I noticed that you were a military brat and you called a lot of cities and states home over the years. So can you talk about how that was being such a nomad at a young age? No, I didn't even realize it was always just like field trips. It was kind of part of life. It's like you know, my mom was like, do you want to go to Hawaii or do you want to go to Japan? It's like, <laughs> Japan. And so, um, you know, like the choices were always, it was always like an exploration, like, and something to look forward to in regards to, um, like for me, I grew up in Japan at eight years old. And so for me, I still retained and learned a lot of the, um, a lot of the language. And so for me, and because I was so young when I learned the language, I have a native tongue. So I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a native versus like um, uh, an American trying to speak Japanese. Wow. Um, and it was, it, I was very, I didn't realize it then, but I was very blessed and fortunate to be able to travel and to live in different countries at such a young age. Mm-hmm. It definitely has given me a different perspective. Um, it is taught me um, patience and I have a, a different type of appreciation for the things that we have here in the United States. It's, a, okay. it's very different. I could imagine. <laughs> and so growing up, living in all these different places, did you have a dream job? And if so, what was it? You know, did I have a dream job? Initially, I... Um, I think you know I, I I don't I didn't remember growing up having a dream job. I like sketching. I sketched a lot. I drew mm-hmm. 
grew a lot when I was younger. And for me, it's funny that I'm back in this space where, you know, I'm, I'm still playing in retail-centered um, um, situations or, you know, retail clothing. So I think I knew I was going to be dealing with something in that world. For me, the reason why I went into business was just more so out of, uh, what do you call it, like, not convenience, but I felt like it was more strategic, like, no matter what mm-hmm. do, business is attached to everything. So let me get a degree in something that I can use and apply to everything that I wanted, anything that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was going to school, when I first started school, I had this crazy dream that I was going to be a psychologist. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, the psychology of selling is marketing. So that's kind of how I worked that part out. And then uh, from there, it's just, you know, it's it's kind of been like a series of this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And it's so really then, been a faith oh. walk, actually. Like mm-hmm. I had to learn really early on. Man plans and God laughs. So mm-hmm. I really had to lean on my faith to really kind of kind of help direct me where I needed to go and what. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it looks like after you graduated, you spent over 10 years working in like retail and fashion over a, a bunch of different roles from like sales to magazine editor. So can you talk more about these roles and what you learned and um, how you decided it was time to move on from each? Well, I, my Nana had me get my workers permit at 15. Mm-hmm. So I've been working ever since I could get one of those worker permits, right? <laughs> she was like, you're not going to be sitting in this And um, <clears throat> so I started working in retail, uh, all, you know, since then. So around 16, I was working in department stores. Um, I've, I've worked in various roles. I liked that um, environment. Um, and whether it was a, um, working in the merchandising team at Nike um, outlets or um, department stores as like Harris Goss Chalk or um, working as a, a lead sales at um, Express or commission at Bloomingdale's like and then into management so it's definitely been a transition it's been, it's been you know like and one thing didn't really lead to the leaving of one to another it was mm-hmm. so like it was growth, you know, like we kind of graduate, like if you, and you, you want more, you want to be challenged. And so it was kind of a natural progression from there. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like while in your last role, you started the Curvy Fashionista, uh, where you blog about and share and post all things plus size fashion. So what made you decide to start this and how did you go about doing so? Well, um, it's funny because I actually had a blogger account and I was, I had my blogger account, I think, from like November, October, November of 2008. But I was so nervous about actually posting, and I didn't really understand what a blog was. I had also just finished my my MBA program, so I was like, I'm gonna open up a boutique, and this is what I want to do. But I didn't really know like what what kind of audience was out there. So I was like, let me see. What you know, let me try this blog post. So I posted my first blog post, and, you know, I was like, is anybody there? And then, you know, from there, 
I just started kind of posting, um, oh, my God, did you see this designer? This designer exists. Did you know this designer exists? Mm-hmm. And um, I think when I received my first um, piece of clothing to review, like in that following spring, I was like, there's something here. There's some kind of transaction. There's some kind of business opportunity here. I just couldn't really put my finger on what type of uh what it was, what I was doing, and mm-hmm. especially because I was on Blogger. It was still so new. I think the only way to monetize was via AdSense. Um, and even though they had affiliate programs, I really didn't understand what it was all about. And so with that, um, it ended up being like this whole really cool uh, evolution and growth. Like I lost my job in uh, March Friday the 13th of March 2009 mm-hmm. and I had some really awesome uh, people around me and they were like go for it do it and so I just pushed my uh, I just pushed everything forward Okay, and so now you have a successful website, a huge social media following, and you contribute to a lot of outfits with Vogue Curvy and Seventeen, um, and you've also been featured in like in Style and People Style Watch. So, how did you go about securing these partnerships, and how did you grow your online audience and presence? Well, um, let's see. Well, these those past um, places that I've contributed for have been all you know, digital publications, whether it was me saying, hi, you know, I would love to write, or being approached like, hey, can you do an article, or me, um, you know, wanting to expand. I think part of the the biggest part is, like, building relationships and staying authentic and true to your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that has been, like, the biggest advantage to those who have grown. They've been, you know, intentional about their voice and who they are and what they're wanting to deliver from the beginning. And so I think what has helped me is that, you know, I've always wanted to be that resource. I've wanted to be that resource of the newest, the latest. You you know, if you want to know what new designer is coming out, chances are I've written about it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and in order to stay consistent with that, I had to... Um, uh, they, you know, like I had to continue, like, so for me, I post every day. Um, sometimes I post three times a day, sometimes it's just two. But I wanted to have that consistency, and I think that's been part of my, uh, what has helped me get different type of roles as, as that. Right now, I'm only managing, like, I, I don't contribute to anyone else at this particular moment, because I'm kind of focusing on the next level growth for my brand. Mm-hmm. But in the past, it has been helpful to kind of build different relationships and strategic partnerships to help uh, help things grow. I think you'd ask me, like, how um, I was able to grow my audience. I think mm-hmm. consistency, clarity of voice, and staying true to that is one of those things that really do help um kind of lend that credibility to your brand and to your voice. Mm-hmm. 
I know you, you mentioned that right after you lost your job, through some um, encouragement, you went out and jumped out on your own with the Kirby Fashionista. Oh, I didn't so start t- a business plan for my blog, no. Okay. No, I didn't. I initially wanted to open up a boutique. So I created a business plan for my boutique. It's oh. my boutique. And I had it for like a season. Um, I was only one person. And I was carrying the items in my, my apartment. Like, it was too much. And my blog was starting to grow. Like, I could, you know, I had to realize my limits. And it was a little bit premature for me, where I'm at at that time. So now, um, like, that's kind of where I was when it came to, but I understood the business side of things. And because I had already done the business plan for my blog, for my, you know, initially my boutique, I leveraged some of those tools that I built out for the growth of my blog. Okay, that makes sense. So it was kind of like there was a plan in place, but it was a lot of stepping out on faith and then using what you had planned to kind of work for you. Yeah, it was um, it was totally, uh, um, totally like a big faith. Like it's just been nothing but faith. Mm-hmm. And... So now you have this huge brand, and now you have this great captive audience. How are you able to monetize it? Oh, you know, it's so many different ways that that happens. Um, I think for me now, it's like, it's a mixture. It's not just one thing. It's not just display ads or Google ads or um, sponsored posts or um, offline activities. So, you know, I have brunches. I have an expo. I have, um, uh, I do like sponsored or post, um, I do host events, I do, um, it's purposely a mixture of ads, affiliate sales, um, you know, it's, it's a mixture. I don't know, if, do you need me to break it down a little more, or is that? Uh, no, that's pretty good, because you, you touched on a couple of what they are, so that's fair enough. Um, and so the kind of content that you post on your site, where do you find inspiration? Where do you figure out what you want to post next? How does that work? It's a mixture. So some of the things that I um, interview about um, are on online or um, I get emails and pitches from different brands. I have my readers ask questions, leave comments that kind of spur um, a spark of, you know, that kind of give a spark of interest. It's it's, it's everywhere that I get inspiration from. Okay. And then, so, when you look to partner with a brand, do you create a whole strategy that stays organic to you but still promotes them, or is there a formal procedure, or they just kind of trust you to do what you do? It's a varied. It's varied. It's depending upon, you know, what they're looking for, where I am at with my brand. Um, authenticity is always key. So, even, like, you know, I just did a recent post, and I just love the message that they were talking about. While it may not have been fashion-oriented, it may be where I'm at personally and what mm-hmm. is important to me. So I'll write about it. And I purposely have, like, an editor's corner for posts like that, where they're a little bit more personal, but it's still very relatable to what, you know, my reader, where my readers are at, especially since my readers skew um, mid-30s. So, mm-hmm. you know, late 20s, mid 30s, early 40s. So because of that, like, there are certain things that um, resonate a little bit different 
and resonates with me, it resonates with them. Okay, that makes sense. And what are your thoughts on the current fashion industry, particularly for plus size models? Well, models or just fashion? I'd say a little bit of both. <laughs> well, um, when it comes to the fashion industry, I think we're in a growth mode. We're still in its infancy. I feel that there's still a lot of opportunity and scaling and growth to be had. There's mm-hmm. still room for you know improvement. I, I still would like to see more diversity um, in the models that are being used, diversity mm-hmm. with sizing. Um, and we're still pushing for that. We're still calling out for that. And I think once we kind of get to a space where it's just so naturally included, where we don't have to be like, oh, where's the plus size model or where's, you know, that's where we have kind of fully matured into the industry. But right now, there's still a lot of firsts being happened and a lot of firsts being praised and made in the news. So until those firsts no longer are and it's just a continual happening, then we've reached the space of um, kind of evolution, I guess. And then, so back to your brand, as the owner of the company, what is an average day like for you and what type of tasks do you see yourself doing mostly? It varies every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try to get up as early as 5.30. <laughs> if I wasn't under the weather, like this morning, I woke up at 6.37. But if I wasn't sick, I'd probably be up at 5.30. And that's also, too, because I'm, I end up getting a lot done the first part of my day. And in the evening, I can, in the afternoon, evening, I find myself more so just um, engaging um, the audience and really kind of having conversations with them. Mm-hmm. But most of most, the first part of my day is like you know emails, making sure posts that were scheduled go up, that they're all you know that they're up okay, that they're presented right. It's more of a um, kind of going through like a little checklist. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then, so there's always the ongoing debate between entrepreneurs of following your passion or following what you're good at. What is your take on that? Hmm. Entrepreneurs following their passion or following what they're good at? Yeah, like sometimes you might really love singing, but you're just not good at it. Or versus like, I'm really good at this, so this is what I'm going to try and start a business. And even if it's not ideally what I love to do. I think it's important to follow your passion. I mm-hmm. When you follow your passion, you, you learn the tools to that are needed to kind of perfect, hone, um, and to elevate your, your passion. I think to kind of, I mean, I may not be the best singer, but I may be able to provide the resources to make someone be that best singer, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm still involved and I recognize an opportunity, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay, that's good advice. And uh, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you felt on your journey so far, and how were you able to overcome it? I think sometimes it's staying encouraged, um, because sometimes it can feel like no one sees, you know, does anyone see me? Does anyone see me? 
Anyone <laughs> there? Mm-hmm. Kind of, it can be like that sometimes. But I think that um, once, you know, you realize, like, you know, what is for you is for you. I think that it changes, like, um, it changes the whole uh, perspective of your goals and your, and, your, and your vision, you know. So if you've been given this vision, you have to trust that vision, right? Mm-hmm. Trust that vision, you're operating in your gift you start to operate in your gift. And when you operate in your gift, you're able to then fully actualize and fully realize, like, where you're at with that. Like, and, and you're able to see the steps you need to take a little bit more clearly. Mm-hmm. It may be a bit idealistic of me to think that, but that's what I really feel. Okay. And if that's what works for you, then that is how you should feel. <laughs> And what would you say is the biggest thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you first were starting out growing your company? Hmm. Hmm. What? Um. I think it would have to be. You know, I know it probably sounds really dumb, but my email list, I wish I would have really started that from when I first started till now. And why is that? Because, you know, with all of these different types of social media that are out, like, they could either flop, go away, and you can't lean on one social media channel too much. Because, like, the email addresses are the one thing that you own. And that one thing that you own is, you know, from a business standpoint, that's your that's your email addresses. When people give you that information, <laughs> which oh, give you that, that's one thing that will help the growth and help determine um, just who, what, and where, and how um, that could, um, like, it really kind of flushes all of that out. Like, for me, I, I didn't start my email list really until two years ago like, really growing into it. And I'm like, damn, if I would have done this from the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be a lot more mm-hmm. fun. It would be a lot stronger. But, unfortunately, I hadn't. So I feel like that would have been a stronger tool for me to use and to leverage. However, that's just on the business side. But more personally, I think if I didn't worry as much, you know, some things just happen. Everything happens for a reason and stressing over things that you have no control over doesn't help at all that I have learned too. <laughs> right? And it's like stress won't change the outcome. So you have to just remind yourself, like just worry about what you can fix kind right, of thing. Right, right, right. Okay. And my final question for you is what's next for you and for your brand? Where would you like to see everything go? Um, I think, uh, for me, it's just growing my expo, growing, it's just growing, you know, focusing on growth. Um, I have a lot of ideas that I want to do, but in order to do that, I need to make sure that I have a foundation, that next foundation is laid so that I can, you know, do more video, grow the expo that I'm doing, um, and and have more brunches and, and you know, just add more layers to the brand. 
mm-hmm. really about uh, growth right now for me. And- can, can you talk a little bit more about the expo and your brunches? Yeah, so last year I had my first TCF style expo. It was kind of like my if my blog came to life. Mm-hmm. Had different vendors from clothing to beauty to um, skincare and shoes and accessories. Um, and I had about over 400 guests that came in. It was so packed. It was wow. And they came to shop. These women came to shop. Mm-hmm. So this year I, we had panels too. So this year we have more panels, a bigger location. Um, anticipating more women and really just kind of giving them that space of bringing some of our favorite plus size brands together for them to shop. Mm-hmm. This is where my expos come from and this is where it's at today. So um, this year's expo is the 12th and the 13th of August in 2000 um, in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited um, to welcome back Ashley Stewart as our title sponsor and um, Lane Bryant as our platinum. And then um, my brunches, uh, we had, uh, I wanted to kind of connect a little bit more with people up close and personal and kind of talk about different topics. So I started a quarterly brunch series. And so each quarter I do a different brunch that kind of plays off of the year's theme. The theme for the year for my brand is Own It. Mm-hmm. And so um, I kind of tackle different topics with whether it's like your brand or your personal style or um, owning your life, like what that means. And, you know, so really just kind of bringing it all together. And those have been really fun and very successful where we've had around averaging around 75 guests at the last two brunches. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. And are all the brunches in Atlanta too? Yes, ma'am. When are you coming to New York? <laughs> I have I haven't planned on it. Like if I, I like people are asking me if I'm going to do it at any other place. I haven't really thought about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the 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 idea of traveling and doing an event kind of makes me nervous. <laughs> so I don't know yet. I kind of want to perfect like the formula before try mm-hmm. to take it anywhere else okay that's fair enough you want to make sure when you scale that it's done right right thanks again to marie for her time today and for sharing her story with us have a follow-up question leave a comment below and we will be sure to ask her and get you an answer thanks for tuning in and see you next week